Today's story is from 18th century Karnataka, where we learn that while some heroes wear capes, others carry pestles. Welcome to Stories from India. This is a podcast that will take you on a journey through the rich mythology, folklore, and history of the Indian subcontinent. I am Narad Muni, the celestial storyteller and the original Time Lord. With my ability to travel through space and time, I can bring you exciting and fascinating stories from the past, the present, and the future. From the epic tales of the Mahabharat and Ramayan to the folk tales of the Panchatantra to stories of Akbar Birbal and Tenali Raman, I have a story for every occasion. The purpose of the stories is neither to pass judgment nor to indoctrinate. My goal is only to share these stories with people who may not have heard them before and to make them more entertaining for those who have. In this episode, we are talking about a real character from history. This one is a lady from 18th century Karnataka. A character, Onake Obbava. She single-handedly took on dozens of enemy soldiers and crushed them. Figuratively and literally. The story begins in the 1770s which was a notable decade. Thousands of kilometers away, the Americans were issuing their Declaration of Independence. Closer to home, the East India Company was spreading its tentacles beyond just East India. And around this time, there was a regional rivalry in what is now the state of Karnataka. On the one side was Hyder Ali the sultan and ruler of much of the state. But that came later. On the other side was Madhukari Nayaka. But this wasn't a fight between these two rulers. The ones who fought the battle were the ordinary soldiers in each army. And in Madhukari Nayaka's case, it also included a housewife. At the time of this story, it was Madhkari Nayaka who was on the back foot. And by that, I mean that he was in the fort of Chitradurga and he couldn't get out. Because the fort was besieged by Hyder Ali's troops. If you grew up on a steady diet of cartoons, maybe you remember Tom and Jerry. A common theme has the cat sitting outside waiting to inflict one injury after another, the moment the mouse tries to sneak out of its home. Well, that's the siege of Chitradurga in a nutshell. It works with Itchy and Scratchy too, if you prefer a Simpsons reference. The people of Chitradurga couldn't get out. Were there enough provisions inside the mouse home to outlast the patience of the cat? It seemed not. It seemed like just in a matter of days, Hyder Ali's troops were going to break down the resistance here. But somehow, days turned into weeks. 
and the people of Chitradurga were holding out just fine. Hyder Ali was getting a little annoyed in the situation room. His generals had just informed him that their attempts to move in on the castle had failed. Hyder Ali was shaking with rage as he took off his glasses and ordered everyone except his three closest generals to leave the room. When they left, Hyder Ali began screaming at them. What had they been doing? He wanted results. Had they spent years at military school only to learn how to hold a fork and knife? Look at him. He was illiterate, but he was going to rule all of Mysore. And he clearly meant Mysore, the state, which was more impressive to be ruler of. Nothing against Mysore, the city. He loved the place personally, but it was just a little smaller than the state of Mysore. One of the generals pointed out that it wasn't yet 1780 when Hyder Ali's territory would be at its largest. That only irked Hyder Ali even more. If the general was so smart, why hadn't he tried dropping rocks on the fort from the sky? The general tried to say that it was because the air force hadn't been invented yet. But Hyder Ali cut him off. That sounded like a you problem, not a me problem, he said. Right away, sir. I'll get on it, sir, the general said and disappeared. The others left too, all except one. This general mustered the courage to speak up. He said he might know why Chitradurga had been able to hold out for so long. There was a small secret passage into the fort. He knew because he had accidentally noticed a milkmaid sneaking through it. He kept watch and he later saw a newspaper boy and an Amazon Prime delivery person sneaking through the passage as well. They were definitely delivering and picking up things. He knew where the entrance was, but he hadn't brought this up before, in case there were spies amongst them but he had been secretly planning a sneak attack. Some soldiers, say about a couple dozen, would sneak in and catch the enemy by surprise. They would make their way to the fort gates and open them from the inside, letting the rest of the troops in. Hyder Ali was genuinely impressed and he said so. Why? If this general was successful, Hyder Ali would grant him half the gold in the Kolar gold fields. Well, let's say a third. No, actually a quarter was more reasonable. Had to think of budget season coming up. So could the general launch a sneak attack right away? He had 10% of Kolar's gold to look forward to, which was a nice round number. Hyder Ali added. The general said that the sneak attack was planned for tomorrow at lunchtime, when a lot of the Chitradurga guards would either be eating or taking a post-lunch nap. And also, he thanked Hyder Ali 
for the 10% of gold from the Kolar gold fields. 5% corrected Hyder Ali. Inside the Chitradurga fort, the mood was very different. People were trying to be as casual as they could. There were guards at various points along the fort walls. In the rocky section, where the secret passage emerged, there were no guards posted. That may sound strange, but it was deliberate. Posting a guard there might direct the attention of any spies towards that passage. And if Hyder Ali's troops found the entrance to the passage, they might launch an attack that way. So, all in all, they decided to leave the hole unguarded. A guard was posted somewhat near the hole. And ostensibly, he might have observed the hole if he had craned his neck a little. But that guard was now home for lunch. And that's what made Hyder Ali's general's plan so brilliant. As the guard was home eating dosas, he complained that his wife hadn't made enough chutney for him. His wife, Obbava, said, No biggie, she could make some more. She even had the spices ready in her mortar. She just needed some water. So she would just step away quickly to the well. Obbava's husband grumbled about why she couldn't have just drawn water earlier. His wife sweetly replied that she totally would have, except if he hadn't noticed, there was a war on. Water was limited. She wasn't doing her civic duty if she drew too much water from the well. She stepped away quickly before he could retort. One of these days, this patriarchy was going to drive her mad, she thought. She had wanted to fight for her country. At the first sign of war with Hyder Ali's forces, she had tried to enlist. But she was laughed off by the army recruiter. Specifically, he had said, Go back to your kitchen, woman. If you start fighting, who will cook for us? Once, she even tried telling her husband that she wanted a sword. But completely misunderstanding her, he just told her that she didn't need a sword to chop onions. But completely misunderstanding her intent, he told her that she didn't need a sword to chop vegetables. She had a kitchen knife for that. And to stop bothering him now, because he had to go on guard duty. Which meant he wanted to go and take a nap. He was guarding a section of wall that no human or monitor lizard could scale. He was definitely just ticking the box. Obava reached the well. She put down her mortar and pestle and drew some water from the well. Right there, she poured a little bit of the water into her mortar and started making chutney with the pestle. And that's when she heard a scraping noise. Not the one from her own chutney making. This was something else. Coming from the direction of the secret passage, the milkmaid 
and newspaper boy and the Amazon Prime delivery guy had all been for the day already. There was something else going on here. Were there any guards around? No, it seemed like. They must all be at lunch. But she didn't want to scream. Even if she was loud, it might only bring one or two guards. And that might not be enough. Besides, it might just be an animal. So she sneaked up carefully, pestle still in her hand. The moment she saw what was coming out of the hole, a chill ran down her spine. It was a turban. Distinctively, the kind that was worn by Hyder Ali's soldiers. And this turban was emerging from the hole. And it had a whole soldier attached to it. Quickly, Obava hid behind a rock next to the hole. She waited for the soldier to be more than halfway through the hole. And then she brought down the heavy pestle with full force on the back of the soldier's head. She didn't care to check if the soldier was still breathing. Because Obava had a feeling that she wasn't done here. She heard a little bit more shuffling and scraping. And then another soldier started climbing out of the hole. This soldier hadn't heard the noise of Obava knocking out the first one. And because she had moved the body, he didn't see anything either. He did see stars during the daytime. But that was only because Obava brought down her pestle hard on the back of his skull. She repeated this again and again. Even when the supply of soldiers gave out, she did not budge from the hole. She stood there alert. By now, she had mastered the position from which she could achieve maximum damage for minimum effort. But she didn't need to do that anymore. Down below, Hyder Ali's troops were wondering why the four doors hadn't opened yet, even though it had been a while since their colleagues had gone in through the secret passage. And they were also wondering why it was so awfully quiet. They were certainly expecting a few screams and cries if enemy soldiers had indeed snuck in and began wreaking havoc inside the fort. Back in the fort, Obava's husband was grumpy and angry as he finally tracked her down. When he saw her, he said, I've been suffering here. I didn't get my chutney. I had to eat my dosa with just sambar. And here you are, playing whack-a-mole. I'm just kidding. Obava's husband was shocked but ecstatic. Besides, whack-a-mole is the wrong analogy there. Because it has multiple holes and a single mole that keeps emerging, as opposed to multiple soldiers coming out of a single hole. Anyway, Obava's husband was thrilled that his wife had stopped so many enemy soldiers single-handedly. Their household deserved a medal or something. No one else in his social circle had a body count greater than zero. The story does have a tragic ending. 
probably due to exhaustion, Obbava passed away that same day. Madhukari Nayaka learned his lesson that day and he had the hole carded. But it didn't change the outcome too much. Within a year or two, Chitradurga had fallen. Madhukari Nayaka was taken prisoner and Hyder Ali moved on to conquering the rest of what became the kingdom of Mysore. Hyder Ali was the father of Tipu Sultan who as many of you probably know followed in his father's footsteps and ruled the kingdom of Mysore Tipu Sultan was also character of the week back in episode 20 Chitradurga also features in the Mahabharat it's the place where Bhim's in-laws lived and appropriately they liked tossing large boulders but we'll cover that story when we get to that part of the mahabharat that's it for this time in the next episode we'll continue the story of chandrakanta as some of you have requested we'll see what happens as ayars continue to try to outwit each other thank you all for the comments on social media and on spotify's q and a i can't directly reply to the questions there but I'll address them here on the show. Thank you Rez for the comments and thank you for suggesting last week's story in the first place. Thank you also to YSR and Arush and Vamsi. Vamsi, I agree with you. It feels like a loose end that the scholar in the last episode got out of the story without any punishment. And with a worthy son-in-law as a bonus but i've often found that in stories from india gods and goddesses tend to be forgiving to contrast take orpheus as an example since we referenced him in the previous episode all orpheus did was to give in to temptation as he almost reached home but after that he was either torn apart by wild beasts or attacked by followers of dionysus or hit by a thunderbolt from zeus or maybe all of these if you have any other comments or suggestions or if there are any particular stories that you'd like to hear please do let me know by leaving a comment or a review on the site sfipodcast.com or tweet at sfipodcast or reply to the questions on Spotify's Q&A. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get notified automatically of new episodes. A big thank you to each and every one of you for your continued support and your feedback. The music is from purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.